Lord God, thank you for the the joy that you give us. Thank you for the um, just the love and the protection that you provide, and and Lord, the fact that we get to gather together to look at your word to see what you have spoken to us. And Lord, we realize that we always need help of the Holy Spirit to discern and learn. And so uh, we're thankful that you have given your very spirit to us, that we might be able to know the truths that transcend um, all things. So Lord, help us to see that, help the discussion to be rich and fruitful and encourage us in our walk. In Jesus' name, amen. So just real quick, we're going to look at Hebrews 4.11 to just kind of throw us into um, where we're at. So we're at, looking at this idea of, of rest and, and the author of Hebrews is making this case that before Christ, um, there was reasons why people didn't get into the rest of God. And again, he's making a case against the works of man. Um, is really what he's doing. And he's showing really from the beginning how God has laid this out to reveal to us um, the great need for Jesus Christ and the great provision that God gave us in Christ. So Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So we look at that here and we're looking at the rest um, that, that we are given from Christ, but then he says, um, but let's strive to enter that rest. So it's one of those weird things in Christianity where um, most of us in the Christian faith would say, don't strive. If you're striving, that's in your own work. Don't do that. But in this case, I would say strive to enter the finished work of Christ, right? That's what we're going. Hey, are you looking to Christ to finish the work. We don't strive to work to be approved to God. We strive to remind ourselves and one another that Christ has done it all, right? Our challenge is that we still think we have something to contribute. Um, and we're still clothed in this flesh, right? Our identity is, is sealed in heaven as believers, as sinless saints, but we're still left with this body of flesh that still is against the spirit, right? And so we somehow think that this body of flesh that has been crucified and put in the grave through baptism, right? We see that and we still think that we can revive this body and do things on our own instead of going, wait a second, who am I in Christ, right? And what does that mean? That means I can rest from trying to figure everything out from trying to find my joy in the things of this world, um, from, from having expectations from the temporal and everything good that I see even in this world, I rejoice because it's a gift from God. So how does 1 John 2, 2, if someone wants to go there, and then 1 John 4, 10, how, does, how do these verses explain the work of Christ on our behalf? He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Okay. So that's before we get to 1 John 4.10. What does that say that Jesus has done for us? Atoned for our sins. Okay. He's done it all. Right. He's, he's made the sacrifice. He's the wrath-appeasing sacrifice. So there's nothing we can do but everything that Christ has done. How about 1 John 4.10? This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay, how does that explain the work of Christ on our behalf? 
propitiation. That interesting word that you have to think about. Well, propitiation is wrath-appeasing sacrifice. So whenever you see propitiation, just add another couple syllables, wrath-appeasing sacrifice. So, no. Um, yeah. Well, and their versions say atonement. Right, right. And you can look at atonement as, as a, reconcil- a reconciliation term and, and even say it at one mint. He has made us at one with God. Um, and so, um, really, it, it, you kind of, the wrath-appeasing sacrifice... The reason I wouldn't use at one mint in our atonement in, in 410 is because it's, it differentiates those who have received, right? And those who it is, it is given to, right? So he's the wrath appeasing sacrifice, not only for us, but for many, right? And so if we say he's the uh, atonement for us and for many, we could, there's enough of us geeks out there that would say, well, does that mean that he atoned for everyone and everyone saved now and the real thing is is that he has appeased the wrath of god and those of us who have received it we are no longer under wrath and those who are still under wrath because they have not believed is still afforded to them right it's still offered to them um but it's not necessarily um given to them as far as eternity it's something that is offered um, to the world. And that, that we get into some weird little um, technicalities there, but it can be important at some point in time. Steve? I was going to say, uh, according to what Harold said, it reminds us of appreciation too. It says, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. We have appreciation. It, 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 it uh, speaks to me of uh, him initiating uh, that, that sin sacrifice for past, present, and yeah. future uh, I mean, you talk about Delane's confusion of a of a of a, something that's massive. I mean, okay. Delane's <laughs> like what? Past, present, and future for all sin, a propitiation, a sacrifice, no matter what your condition is. I mean, that's that that is love. I mean, basically, it settles everything that is needed for mankind. Right. And that's mind-boggling to me. Well, and I think what you pointed out um, is really important. It was God's idea. You know, it was God's idea of what love is. It wasn't our idea to love God. It just wasn't. He loved us first. Now we have an inkling of what love is. Even, even if you're not believing a believing Christian, you still have attributes of God's love expressed um, because God has shown his love to the whole world. And so when you see sac- or self-sacrificing love, even, you know, a mother to a child, um, you know, uh, uh, people who join the army or the, the military and go sacrifice themselves for the love of the country and the people, that is not something that we would think of on our own. That's God initiated and he gave us the greatest example in Christ. Um, so again, what does that mean for us, though, about the work of Christ on our behalf? Well, it is finished. I mean, but, but I mean, Hebrews here in chapter 3 talks about, you know, the, uh, the wandering in the desert uh-huh. and what all of that meant, too. Because if you don't accept 
what Christ has done, you're going to wander in the desert and not be allowed into the rest. You're, you're locked out. So, I don't know if that's what you're asking or not, but well, I mean, that, that leads into what, what we're asking is that, that left to ourselves without the work of Christ, we wander in the desert, right? And so they, they really, again, it's one of those, here's the tension, right? Um, the, the question is, and we're not going to answer it this morning, but can you obey without the work of God in your life, no. right? And so, you know, I think most of us would say no, we can't. When you look even at the work of God in the wilderness, though, there was presence of God radically. Because a cloud by day to shield them from the hot sun. And then a fire by night to not only provide illumination for them, but also protect them against the things of the desert, from the enemies that, that might come. They were surrounded by this. And so you see the work of God protecting them and holding them in. But there is a transition uh, that we see at Pentecost. When this Holy Spirit is present and among them, but not in them. And so they need that help. I mean, we see David uh, in Psalm 51 saying, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So there's, there's indication that the Spirit would come upon. We see the anointing of Saul and then the Spirit removed from him. Where that is not the case for the believer because of Christ. He has given us and imparted his spirit into us so that we can obey, right? Um, and that's the challenge we have. Our flesh doesn't want to obey, but who we are in Christ always obeys. Well, those two don't get along very well, right? So we feel this tension between one another, right? I, you know, it's Paul in Romans 7. I want to do the things that I want to do, but I find myself not doing the things that I want to do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And he goes, so there's this war, there's this flesh within me. Who shall save me? And then he points to what the Hebrew author says is, thanks be to God who in Christ. So we don't have to succumb to the struggle other than say, Lord, help. You have done it all. This is, my sin is not who I am, right? And that's why it's tough when we call ourselves simultaneously saint and sinner, I find that we're, we're, we, we often in human nature, because we're selfish and we like pride, gravitate towards sinner, right? Because we can see that, we're very aware of it, plus we, we, in a sick way, like ourselves. And so if I can talk about myself, even if it's, you know, about how dumb I am or how much I've messed up, we, we, we gravitate towards that. Rather than going, wait a second, what does God say about me? God says, I'm this. Whether I see it or not is not the, the, the point. So we ask the Lord to help us see it. Help us to know that Christ has done it all on our behalf. And we are at peace and at rest. And therefore, we should be, and I don't use that term often, we should be the most joyous of all people. So even when we do like confession and absolution, that's not so we can feel bad about ourselves, right? That's not why we do it. We do it because we want to be constantly reminded of what Christ has done for us and ever live under that forgiveness that he has afforded us on the cross, that he has done for us. And so from that is what motivates us to live a life full of joy and peace. When I start looking at myself and I get off track and I don't look at the things above, I, I struggle with the rest that Christ has done for me. 
Um, and so we can go down that road a little bit more, but we won't. So Hebrews 4, 12 through 14, we're going to go back into Hebrews 4 in the next lesson, but there's some things that uh, uh, tie into 3. Sometimes chapter breaks don't make a lot of sense um, in, in these letters, and I think for us, it's got, we need to remember it's one continuous letter. It's not, it's not, well, and then they sat down the next week and they read these verses. No, it's one continuous letter. Um, one pastor friend of mine said, you know, I'm really tempted one day just to get up for my sermon and just read the whole book of Hebrews. And then sit, or, 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 or he said Romans too, you know, and just sit down, be done with it. Because that's what they would have done in the early church. They would have received this letter, the church would have gathered, they would have read it, and that would have been the majority of their service. So... I'm not going to do that, I don't think. But you've been warned. No, just kidding. <laughs> and then if you have something to complain about, it's God's word. So, <laughs> so someone read Hebrews 4, 12 through 15, please. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Okay, so how does this passage here, which we'll get into more later, but how does it, just in our context of what we're talking, how is it both a warning and how is it sobering for us? Because there's a lot of encouragement in that text that we just read. But there's also some warnings in there. Okay, there's nowhere to hide. Right, yeah. <laughs> Whew. Right? Do you ever wonder why it's a struggle sometimes to read God's Word? There's two reasons. Number one, we don't understand it a lot of times. And number two, it, it cuts too deep, right? It hits us. Um, um, and so it's, it's one of those challenges in spiritual disciplines that, and plus the enemy doesn't want us to read it because there's other reasons for it. So when I put on my, my funky fig leaves to cover my intent and thoughts in my heart, <coughs> you know, the, the goofiness of doing, whether I deny reading the word or I'm going to and that has happened. I was just going to say that uh, this is a good thing to remember that you're not going to be able to go too far without the Lord calling. Well, and, and what we'll get into in the next study, which we probably will get to today, is sorry, I took it away from you, um, <laughs> is that it should be, and and this is where we challenge ourselves because it's against the flesh. It should be comforting to us that the Word of God opens us up and tells it like it is. But not so that we can feel bad about ourselves, but so we can be so grateful that in spite of who we are in the flesh, God has made us new. And, and how wonderful it is that he knows us better than anybody. I would say even knows us better than ourselves. And he still loves us and adores us and likes us and cherishes us, um, which is something we don't think about often enough. God actually likes me. Um, so what are some practical ways we can encourage one another to believe? Turn up a Bible study. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Show up. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, the striving thing, I think, to me, means 
keep your face pointed mm. toward Jesus. I mm -hmm. mean, stay focused. It's not, I mean, you could call it a work in some odd sense, I suppose, but really it's just keeping the focus where it should be. So, so encouraging others to do the same, right? Hey, let's look to Jesus together. Yeah. On 13 it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes, to him whom he must, uh, give a, we must give an account. But one of the encouraging things I see about that is, is that he knows your circumstances. You know, you, you may not appreciate or understand where you're at, but he does. And uh, it might be good to call on his name to find out if he could share a little insight or share with someone as they walk through a difficulty. Maybe you can uh, walk with them as they... Uh, they struggle with their issue. Okay. Like rain. I mean, I'm just saying today. Uh, so someone would be kind enough to read Hebrews 3, 12 through 15. That would be great. This will help us end this chapter. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. How far? Uh, through 15. Oh. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end, as has just been said. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Okay. So we have the way to encourage one another is daily. As long as, that's a great phrase, as long as it is called today. Well, what is it called today? Today, right? It's called today. Uh, I guess you could say it's tonight sometimes, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, that's, that's, that's an active thing. Are we encouraging one another daily? It's easy for us to, um, Come to church, great, wonderful. May not be that easy, but I mean, but to come to church, enjoy it, and then leave, and not think of each other the rest of the week. Not you guys here, but I've heard people do this, right? Um, and then instead of you know, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I'm praying for you, or you know, just checking in on people on one another. It's easy for us to do that, but I would say that ultimately, how. How are we daily praying for one another? And that doesn't mean I have to go everybody by name, but Lord, those who call this body that their their church, Lord, would you lift them up today? Would you support them? And then if you know of something that someone's going through specifically, obviously praying for that. Um, but how does the author explain in these verses what disobedience was for in the wilderness? Yeah, and there's also this idea of contrast. 
of look at the state of people before Jesus. This, this is disobedience um, prompts the action of Christ, um, if you will. We know love is the motivator, but, but if people weren't disobeying God, would he need to do anything? No. <laughs> Everything would be great, right? And so I think he's making this big case of look how bad it was and how desperate we were and how nothing we could do would give us the rest that we longed for because we could not do it. Again, that's why the law was given. Was it was a taskmaster to reveal to us what we need a savior. Right? And so and so when you're talking to a Jewish mindset, or I always like it when I talk to what I was formerly a legalist mindset, um, we still think that there's something I can do to find rest in the Lord. And the reality is, as much as you try, as much as you try, as much as you try, unless you are putting it all on Jesus Christ and your faith completely in him for your eternal security, for your peace, you will not find it. And that's what that really this contrast is. Um, and it's a tension, right? Because someone who, being a recovering legalist as I am, you say, but that means that there's no, rec- there's no consequence for what I do because Christ has forgiven it all. And, and that, but that's where we go, right? Because we, we love behavioral actions. We love to look the part. We love to, to, to be the part. Instead of going, wait, I am the part because God has made me that. There's nothing else I need to do. Um, but so that's 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 a challenge. So when we're talking to the Jewish mind, that's really what the, he's he's addressing. There's nothing new under the sun. We accept the free gift of Jesus Christ. We forgiven of our sins. We feel feel guilt free, and we go. Now what do I have to do to keep it? Right? And God's like, uh, nothing. I did it all. But why do I go to church? Oh, because the Holy Spirit drives you to. Why do I read the Bible? Oh, because the Holy Spirit wants you to know God more. Uh, because he's changed you. You have a different mindset now, Steve. That's the same as, uh, verse uh, 15, which says, uh, Today, you, uh, if you will hear his voice, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the day of rebellion. I was going to say, I'm, I'm amazed over there at the daily uh, tidbits of information. Here we have the cross 2,000 years since the crucifixion and the forgiveness <clears throat> of sins. And we have a nation here in America that you would think that we would be running over there for a uh, I think, but as a hardened nation's heart of, of denial, rebellion, and and uh, uh, destruction, watching our own destruction fiscally on the border, crime, uh, defunding police, uh, watching, uh, making our decisions, uh, situation after situation where you're walking towards destruction willfully. I mean, this isn't like like we're choosing to do that. I was just going to say we've chosen to harden our heart as a nation, and it, it, I find it just. Uh, Enlightening and thanking God because I believe He's going to save us from ourselves. It will, but yeah, I mean, I think I think the challenge is is we are just more aware of the of the 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 heart of man without Christ because we can see it now. It's nothing new on their son. I mean, we we see we can read history books and see people group after people group and person after person who did what seemed right in their own eyes but didn't lead a very good path, right? It didn't, it didn't take them because they rejected God. 
um, we just have access to a global scale, um, and and we see we see the heart of man revealed every moment of every day, right? And that's why I kind of encourage people not to watch a lot of news because they're only giving you the stuff that that makes you they they, they thrive on fear and panic. So you know oh, you need to realize that's how they get ratings. So just look at the system, and then realize too they're not they're not reporting as people who believe God's going to figure it all out. They're reporting as man has to figure this out, right? So Connie, do you believe that God challenges us? I mean, you're saying, we're talking about resting in peace and all that, but don't you think sometimes think He challenges us? Um, I would say yes and no. So um, we are told that he does test us, but he knows that we're the outcome because his spirit's within us. So he's not going to test us in a manner that won't improve or increase our faith. Um, I would say there's also enough challenges in this life that are opportunities for us to exercise faith, to grow in the Lord, that, um, that there are moments. I mean, I would think that for me, Sometimes the, ch- the, the challenge, if we want to call it that, it, it's always, though, like, a, like I would say, a great, this is a bad analogy, but it's the only thing that comes to mind, but a great teacher, a great coach who pushes you so that you'll grow, right? I mean, I, I, mean, I look at, at you, you know, you can run one more wind sprint. No, I can't. Yeah, you can. You can do it one more time. Or if you think about those high-trained athletes, they'll push themselves or they'll have a coach that pushes them a little bit more beyond what they think they can do. And I think God does that same thing with us. No, you can be, you can be stretched here, but would I got gotcha. you. Would you think, you know? to Connie's point over there, on the flip side, is God testing us? Well, Satan's testing us too. There's a spiritual warfare going on when, you know, between our flesh and our spirit. And it would seem to me that uh, we're being tested all the time in our attitude, actions, words, thoughts, deeds. Yeah. It's not good or bad. It's just I think I think the difference is when it when it's from God, there's a sure, mm-hmm. successful outcome Absolutely. of of greater faith. Mm-hmm. The enemy is deceived and thinks that he can can yeah. bother our faith. Um, and there's sometimes we think that he's winning, but he's not. You, you know, it's just again that could be how God comes in and goes. I'm going to hold you in this tension for a minute, but don't worry. You know, you know, when you get uh, bad news or, you know, things happen you know, that are out, out of your control, there's those moments where you're like, well, what's going on? Or and then we immediately go, what did I do wrong? Right. What did I do to deserve this? Um, which is a tool of the enemy to make you focus on yourself instead of going, wait a second. God knows. And he's my rock. He's my fortress. And we usually come to that. Right. That's how God does. He works with us. He's patient. Um, he's authoring our faith. Um, so he, uh, the author talks about this disobedience in the wilderness to show the great need for the work of Christ. Because here they were. It's a great, if, if you look at symbolism or a picture of, we're going to go to the promised land. You're going to be freed from sin, which is represented by Egypt. And you're going to walk into the promised land. God has set the path and he's doing it for you. He's made the way through the Red Sea like the waters of baptism. And you're going to go through and you're going to go to the promised land. But they couldn't help themselves, right? And we see that very few of them made it to the promised land. Um, And so again, it's one of those things where... The, the author uses that example to say, look, 
the assurance we have in Christ that we, we are like the disobedient people. But God has done this for us. So we no longer have to be or are counted as disobedient people. Right? Yes, Connie. I'm sort of a devil's advocate right now, okay? <laughs> Why did God make it so difficult for them? I would say he didn't. I would say they did. Amen. That's what the author's saying. They were disobedient. They could have walked 40 days and been there. Except that if they, you know, that one thing that said they were three days without water, a lot of people would have died if you were three days without water. Why did he make it so difficult? Well, you talked about challenging. Would we learn to trust God if we didn't have difficulties? I don't know. I would say no. And, and history will tell you that. Whenever nations are fat and happy, they dis- and even if you look at the Old Testament with the kings, when, they were, when, they're, when they're, everything's going well, they disregard God. Um, it's, it's when God allows trials and for us to say, I need to believe in you, Now, the difference is he's given us his spirit now. And so so he's, because of Christ, everything in the Old Testament, not to negate that there were people and real people and all that, but everything in the Old Testament is to show our great need for Jesus Christ and how God has provided over and over again, even in the Old Testament, to point to Jesus so that people would say, I don't have to make it. Because now it's not hard for us, right? It's not hard. We make it hard. Right? To believe in Jesus, technically, it is not hard. But after we believe in Jesus, we make it difficult sometimes to believe continuously. Um, and so, again, he has made it easy for us. What do I need to do to be saved? Oh, just call upon the name of Jesus. Look to Jesus. That's it. I don't have to walk through the Red Sea. I don't have to walk in the desert even for 40 days. I just need to believe. And that's what he's talking about. Belief is the, is the issue here. Steve. I was going to say to Connie's uh, uh, thing, it wasn't just the water thing there. Uh, as they're walking through being tested, Connie, I was just thinking of the water, but it was also the manna, the food. I mean, I crack up. He says, you know, when you, you hear the word manna, it, it means what is it? He's providing food and sustenance, and they're whining and carping about it. It's yeah. not thank you. It's a, it's a what is it? And then I was thinking of the water, the food, the provision but even going into the promised land correct me if I'm wrong but I'm thinking there's giants there's uh, cultures most of them didn't want to go into the promised land they didn't believe that God had that for them because of fear and again it's one of those things there's times where um, I would say that we have dry times in our lives um, so that, that we can look at the three days of water without water as an example. And there are times in our lives where we thirst de- desperately, not necessarily for physical water, but we're just down and we feel challenged and we complain. And then God provides, right? And we go, oh, look, God has provided for me. Oh, look what he's done for me. And then because we're still clothed in this flesh, we get comfortable with that. And we don't recognize daily, right? That's why we encourage one another, look how good. That's why I think it's important for us to be thankful daily. Man, look what God has done. I get up another day. Um, it didn't snow that much yesterday. Um, <laughs> it was so nice in the morning. I'm like, oh, this is nice. And then I'm driving. I'm like, what is that hitting my windshield? I'm like, this is dumb. Yeah. I looked at my temperature gauge. It's 47. That shouldn't be coming out of the sky. What? <laughs> I was going to go for a walk. It's really nice. Yeah. I got out and started raining. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 
We're hoping you're bringing the sun with you. Oh, I, I lost it, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, we wanted to blame somebody. Okay. Um, so, verse 18 of chapter 3. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? Okay, so let's look at the flip side of this. What is the ultimate desire for God for all according to that verse? Obedience. Yeah. Obedience, right? And if you're, if you're like me, and I think most of you bleed, um, I, 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 there are moments where I really like to obey. But I find myself waning very quickly and going, eh, why? Who says I have to do it that way? I mean, you just look at, you look at, at just movies over time. There's always this idea of, of raging against authority. Uh, there's a new show called The Rise of the Pink Ladies. It's based on Greece. It's a musical. Um, it, and it's, it's fun. It's very Greece-esque. They've done a really good job. But the whole thing is, which Greece was too, which Footloose was, which a bunch of stuff is, was all about, you know, balking authority, right? And so we see that ingrained in, in our, who we are as people is this, this desire for autonomy. Who says that I have... Now, sometimes there needs to be revolts. Don't get me wrong. Some, sometimes there are governments and things like that and, and authorities that need to be overthrown, but most of the time, those things that parents put in place are for the protection and the love of the child. You know, I mean, I know, I know all of your kids and all of my kids always said, thank you, Dad, for giving me... Rest- <laughs> thank you for giving me a, a curfew and restrictions. Thank you for making me clean my room. I appreciate that so much. You um, never did learn. <laughs> <laughs> But, but what we see in the wilderness and, and, and before Christ and even after Christ, we wrestle with it. It's just now we, we, we're not bound to it. That's really the difference. Is, and, and I'm not going to go down this road too long. Delane might make me after I say this. But I really believe that <laughs> well, it'll, it'll trigger something. I'm going to try. Okay, good. I really believe that, that, that before Jesus Christ, we don't have free will. We are, Paul says, you are a slave to sin. You are bound because of the fall. Now we have free choice. Don't don't get me wrong. We can make choices. But as far as the battle between good and evil, and we will always, because of the fact that we are born into sin, err on the side of disobedience. Once we're in Christ, that's when the battle begins. And we're like, do I do what's right? Or do I do what's wrong? Do I give into the flesh? Do I give into the spirit? So to me, that's where more of what I would call free will comes in. Um, now, if you ever get really bored and um, you want to see Luther's response to Erasmus on this, it's called Bondage of the Will. Um, and he talks about Christ riding donkeys. He's either, either the devil's riding the donkey or Christ is riding the donkey. Um, that's a whole... He doesn't use the word donkey. But anyway, um, I, but, but I think that the challenge we have is, and I think we've all experienced this, man, it was better when I didn't, when I didn't have this battle. It was better when I just did what I wanted to do. And, and you look at a kid too, right? 
you know, man, even though they might know that what your parents are doing is for their benefit, it's still difficult for them to obey the rules. I mean, how many of you, I know none of you goofed off in class in high school <laughs> or, or middle school, right? You didn't goof off. You were just the best student. You didn't sit in the back. You sat in front, had everything done early, right? <laughs> but I mean, you, you know, uh, most of us remember, at least I remember, that every time we get the, the, mid, the midterm report, my dad would go, well, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I got to quit goofing off in class and pay attention because... Um, like we cared about the social stuff more than what the teacher was teaching. I know when you taught college, everyone was there because they really were engaged in the... None of them goofed off in class. Me. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> Steve. You were happy to get rid of That's how much the was. I was going to say the... So was my boss. <laughs> because you followed the rules. The Old Testament no. I'm thinking when you were talking about Christ in the Old Testament of making a free choice. I was thinking of Saul over there, the defining moment where the prophet comes in there, wait for battle, and God gives him right. instructions. He says, it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Saul makes an excuse of why he went into battle against uh, against the king, king and priest. He loses his kingship and, and whatnot in that decision. But when he says it's better to obey than sacrifice, uh, I was just thinking just exactly what you were saying, how we would choose on our, we would mess up. Well, it chooses, it chooses it, the wrong. And place. that's why the Word of God is so important because it, it, it calls things out very clearly. Um, you know, uh, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, right? Which is what we tend to do. This is what I see, right? I see everything, but there's a greater understanding of things. Uh, Isaiah 55, for the way Jesus, God says, My ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, but what he has revealed to you, those are you're responsible for. So a lot of times we dive into these secret things and we find ourselves extremely frustrated. Like, I don't understand why God, you know, to your point, why, why, why did he just not give them water? Great question. Okay. Um, we can look at it and go, well, there's some spiritual application to it. We can read this and go, well, they were disobedient children. Um, and so uh, now I don't think any of us in here would withhold what our children need because of disobedience. But there are times where we starve them from certain activities, from certain things because of their disobedience. Um, but then we always provide for them. You know, they recognize that... Did they recognize that the food under the door, which I never did, um, <laughs> was, but but I think that I think that the idea is that is that what has God revealed to us? So we look at uh, that the ultimate desire is obedience, right? That's God's ultimate desire because in obedience we find the blessing of God. But then we're left, and this is what the Hebrew author is setting up, and what what Paul does in Romans. Um, what we're left with is. Well, who can obey? Right? And we know, as does the author of Hebrews, Jesus Christ obeyed completely. So that drives us to go, well, if he obeyed, how can I be given or imparted the obedience of Christ upon me who can't obey? Well, God says, I've made a plan. I'll make you new. The old things are past. Behold, all things are new. And you're a new creation in Christ. So that person in Christ is completely obedient in Christ. Right? 
it's hard for us. We need to accept it by faith. It's hard for us to understand. And then, but we were faced with what I see in the mirror. And boy, it doesn't get a lot better. I mean, I look and I'm like, I feel, I feel a little, I feel lighter today. Well, you don't look lighter. Just, you know, just keep your head shot. <laughs> you, you know. Buy a wig. Buy a wig. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. No hair, has, no hair has been the best thing for me. So, uh, not, maybe not for my looks, but for for maintenance. <laughs> so again, we we wrestle in this, and that's and that's a challenge for us. And and I realize it. And I will tell you just real briefly that the the biggest prayer that I have, not only for myself but for all of us, is that we would richly find our identity in what. Christ has done and who we are in Christ and what God says about us, not how we feel in the moment, not how we fail at times. Because we got to realize, and this is what's challenging for us. When I fail, if I read scripture, when I fail, it's not I who fails, but sin that fails within me because I am a new creation in Christ. So when I sin, that's not my identity. That's not who I am anymore. The devil wants to tell you. Ah, you're just this lousy sinner. And I think there's a story where I, where the devil came to Martin Luther. I think I've shared this before. And he lists all his sins. And, and, and uh, Martin Luther in his vision said, give me some paper. And he wrote down a bunch more. He goes, you forgot all these. Right? But then the point is, but that's not what Jesus says about me anymore. Um, and so it's really good for us. You know? So don't think that, that God is like Santa Claus. You know, he doesn't have a naughty and nice list, right? So for us who are saved, he looks at us, you're perfect. It's hard for us to apprehend that. So anyway, Lord, thank you for uh, your goodness. Thanks for your love. Help us to apprehend these things by faith. We don't come to it naturally, but we know that um, you want to work uh, this reality into our lives. So help us in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.